You're listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. The Hero of the Story helps you study and teach the story of redemption from all Scripture. Now join your hosts, Aaron Armstrong and Brian Dembozik. Hey there, welcome to today's episode of The Hero of the Story. I'm Aaron, and with me, as always, is Brian. Brian, what's going on, man? It is it is going well today. Yeah. Um, it's a Thursday. It is a Thursday. The weekend is coming up. Yeah. It's And, you know, it... This rain has at least temporarily stopped in Nashville. It's going to come with a vengeance this afternoon. That's uh, that's what we hear. But uh, enough about the weather. Um, although sometimes I wish I could just ask the sun to stand still for a little while. Was that a, was that a good segue? That, that yeah, that was good. All right, okay, there we go. Um, so we uh, so last week we we started a little mini series looking at some some key moments in the book of Joshua um, and uh, last week I was having a problem where I kept thinking about the book of Judges instead of Joshua so I had to correct myself multiple times but I'm getting better and I got it the first try um, I'm so proud of thank you thank you thank you it's, it's a big step for us all um, so we started out looking at the call to courage in Joshua chapter 1 and and what that really looks like, what that means from a, from really a, um, from a, a Christ-centered perspective. Um, and now we're continuing that by looking at a slightly less well-known passage um, in, in Scripture, Joshua chapter 10, verses 8 through 15. Um, this this passage takes place um, it is a very significant one, um, and it's very unusual. And Brian, is, Brian, can you set up set up a little bit of it? Yeah. So at this point, um, what has happened is Israel has gone into the promised land. Of course, they've defeated Joshua and then AI after their second attempt. Jericho, you mean? I mean Jericho. Did I say Joshua defeated you did. Joshua? Yeah, Joshua defeated Joshua. And Joshua defeated Judges. Yes, there Joshua we go. Joshua defeated okay. Jericho. That, that sounds better. And AI. And uh, what happens, of course, is the other city-states hear about Israel and their victories, and they get nervous. So they decide, pretty shrewdly on their pagan-minded part, they form an alliance. They say, hey, let's join together, we'll be strong together, and we can defeat these invaders. Except for one group called the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were shrewd in a different way. They went out and they put worn-out clothes, um, had, you know, you know, just made it look like they had been traveling from afar. And they went up to the Israelites and said, hey, we're not from this land. We're just traveling through. Will you make an alliance with us so that, you know, we, we're in good? And Israel fell for that trick. They made this alliance with the Gibeonites only to find out later that, no, these were actually inhabitants of the land. So out of uh, a little bit of anger, I guess, the Israelites made them their servants. The Gibeonites basically became their, their water carriers. Well, the other city-states hear about the Gibeonites, and this really makes them angry. So they go and they attack the Gibeonites. And at that point, of course, the, the Gibeonites send word to Joshua and the Israelites saying, hey, remember the, the contract, the agreement we've made, the covenant? Um, come to our defense. And so, you know, as I read that, I, I think from a human perspective, if it's me, I'm just really debating this one. Um, here, why should we go defend this people who tricked us? Maybe they're getting what they should deserve, or maybe why don't we why don't we wait a little bit, um, let these people beat up on each other because we're gonna have to take them out all at some point anyway. Right. So let's just kind of just 
let's wait. Let's make good on our word, but let's do it late. And so there are all these different things could have been going through yeah. the Israelites' minds. I don't know. This is my conjecture. Sure. But regardless, this is what we see God now at this point telling Joshua what to do, picking it up there in chapter 10, verse 8. God says to Joshua, do not be afraid of them, for I have handed them over to you. No one, of, not one of them will be able to stand against you. Of course, this is speaking against the other city-states in their alliance. So Joshua caught them by surprise after marching all night from Gilgal. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. He defeated them in a great slaughter at Gibeon, chasing them through the ascent of Beth Horan and struck them down as far as the Ezekah and Mechada. As they fled before Israel, the Lord threw large hailstones on them from the sky along the descent of Beth Haran all the way to Ezekah, and they died. More of them died from the hail than the Israelites killed with the sword. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to the Israelites, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the presence of Israel. Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon over the valley of Algion. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on its enemies. Isn't this written in the book of Jashar? So the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed its setting almost a full day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord listened to a man because the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua and all Israel with them returned to the camp at Gilgal. All right. That is a packed passage there and there's so much um that uh that is in there it is um it's a tricky one you know yeah. in many ways because i mean think about it just that that one thing that you said that that, that at no there there was no other time that god listened to a man that is that is fascinating just by itself yeah um and it's so fascinating that, in fact, um, there have been, you know, there has been at least one one book written about it. Unfortunately, it wasn't a very good book. <laughs> um, but uh, but it is a it's this this tricky thing, because when you think about that, it's like, what does that mean that God God listened to him? Um, where, you know, in advance of, of recording, we were looking at uh, we were looking at actually the, the CSB study Bible, <laughs> um, which is a great resource. You can pick that up on Lifeway dot com. Um, we highly recommend it. And um, one of the things that it says there is is that the language that's used there is only used a couple other times in scripture but um and all in all around this same time period um once in numbers once in first kings if i remember correctly yes, that's correct um numbers 21 and first kings 17 there you go and the language that's there could be interpreted as obeyed or responded to, um, the, and that makes it even stranger yeah. when you think about it. Because no, in fact, we never see we we never see God say that He obeys human beings, um, and yet here, I mean, in fact, we actually see Him say the opposite. <laughs> yeah, more often than not. That he's like, who, who is like, who is the, like, I'm not a man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't respond to you. I don't, I don't ha I'm not under your authority. He says in multiple places, um, in my, in my beautiful paraphrase there, um, the, uh, but, but here we have it saying God listened to, listened to Joshua. 
And so what are we supposed to take away from that? Well, let's right away, let's get one thing off of the table. And it's actually the very incorrect assertion about this this passage that has come up in in a few different places um there there is a a way to see this passage that treats this basically as this is a this is a promise for all time that um if you are bold enough and and or or and whatever enough um audacious enough you can um you can ask god for anything and he will do it as long as you don't hedge your bets yeah um that is to put it delicately heresy what that does is that's treating god as some kind of cosmic vending machine or as a servant to yeah. humans that's the prosperity gospel um, that if you if you just have enough faith god will god will give you all the things that you want um, and often cash um, but that's not what's in this passage at all so I'm going hard on that right here at the outset because it's necessary. Yeah, we want to be um, clear on it. Exactly. And because there is an important truth here and there's a beautiful truth that, that um, is rooted in the gospel. But we can't we have to be explicit right at the beginning and say, no, this is not um, this is not licensed to just go and ask whatever you want and um, pray your your BHAG prayer. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that I think is so important to to help us parse this. That and you said it a couple of times, and you said it there to pray what you want. You know, one of the many problems with the heresy that that you're talking about is it's man centered. It's centered on on me. What what I believe is good for me. What I believe will make me happy. And usually, as you said, let's be honest; those things very rarely are God which should be, usually those things are possessions, wealth, and so forth, uh, comfort, however you want to phrase that. Yeah. And so those are, have become our God. That's, and so we're using God, capital G, to serve us by providing lowercase g gods. That's the heresy in it. Yeah. Um, and, and ultimately, we are ourselves lowercase g gods. So that's why it's heretical. That's why I don't think it's, it's out of bounds to refer to this as heresy. Um, and, and, and so that's not what we see happening here. We don't see Joshua saying, hey, there's something in this for me. Let, let's, let's take zoom out. Remember the big picture here. He is obeying and serving God by being strong and courageous, faithful to his calling that God gave him to go into the promised land. Why are they going in the promised land? Will it be beneficial for them? Yes. But it's not about them. It's about God and his glory. It's about him affirming to the world that he is true, that he is all-powerful, that this is the land he promised he will deliver for his glory and our good. And so ultimately, who is being focused on here is not Joshua, it's not the Israelites, it's God himself. This is why this is a God-centered um, account here. It's not a Joshua-centered, not a man-centered account. Mm -hmm. So I also think it's important that we zoom in a little bit and remember uh, the context here that Joshua in this is not just being obedient to this general call to strength and courage. He's being uh, faithful to the more specific call that we began with in verse 8 for them to go 
and not to be afraid. And God says that not a single one will be able to stand against you. Mm-hmm. And so as you look at this, you know, it seems like Joshua in his in his heart of faith, in his mind of faith, he's understanding and he's believing, he's trusting in God to that end that they will wipe out this these enemies before them. That has not finished. That has not come to completion. There are still warriors standing. And so in 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 this gospel logic he has, he says, "Wait a minute. Daylight is is running out. God has not made good on his promise yet." I know he will. Mm-hmm. What's the only logical solution for the sun to stop, to give us more time to complete this? Right. So his request of God, demand of God, however you want to look at that, is ultimately a statement of faith. It's actually an act of obedience. He is not telling God, obey me. He's saying, God, I want to obey you. And this is the way I see it happening. And so that's, I mean, if we... Be, if we're careful to understand what's really going on here, I think we see how this is so vastly different from the prosperity camps take on life. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's that is a super important um, thing for us to to call it and reiterate that that his request for the like his um, command that the sun stand still really was an act of faith. It was built upon the tr- his trust in God's promise that he would be victorious, not just in the immediate context, but in but again, at the beginning of the book where God says that you will have this land. I have promised you this. All of this is yours. And and that again, that's something that we need to remember again and again and again is that it reminds us of two things. One that prayer matters. Um, and that's a, that's just an immediate application point for us. Prayer matters. What we do matters um, because he because Joshua was acting in faith. He was acting in accordance with with God's plans and God's commands. Um, and God gave him everything he needed to accomplish that goal. Yeah, and not only that, don't miss. We haven't really hit on this. Yeah, who who won this victory? Who was fighting it? God. He right. was. He was the one. Um, you know. That's why it says really here that that he killed more people than the Israelites did with the sword. Right. Right. And and again that that line um, where it says you know at no other time uh, had God listened to a man, um, and it says because he fought yeah. for Israel. So huge. Yep. Like just. We just need to stop and just love that. Yeah. And this is where um this is where it really it really comes comes home for us from a from a gospel point of view is that if God did that for Joshua, how much more does he do for us? Yeah. I mean Let's let's just let's just realize that the ends to which he went to rescue and redeem us and the the promise that he's given a greater promise than simply defeating all of these enemies in in a uh, in this battle, this physical battle that happened in a real place in a real time. And so this all went down. Um, There's no question about that. But 
that he that he entered into human history that the second person of the trinity god the son the word jesus became a human being and he did that in order to defeat the greatest enemy of all which is sin and death and he was victorious over it after after being in the grave for three days i mean we're coming up on easter at the time of this recording and we're and so Every, so virtually every everyone who is a who is a, is a believer has this actively actively in their thoughts in a, in a very particular way um, more than we do in a normal any other time of year to to varying degrees which I mean maybe we need to think about that a little bit um, but um, but that he's given us a greater promise. He's defeated this greater enemy. Um, he has had a, the greatest victory that is possible. And so now we get to live in light of that promise. And so when we think about when we think about how we apply this this text, what it what it reminds us really ultimately is what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Um, that God, God will give us whatever we ask, yeah, in prayer. If we, if we are in accordance with His, His will, His purposes, if we are trusting in His promise, He will give us everything we need for His glory and our good. That doesn't mean that it's going to be everything that we ask for. Well, it, it would if again, this all assumes, as you said, that we are walking with with God and we are pursuing the mind of Christ mm-hmm. then we will not ask for things apart from him so right. that takes away you know I will not ask for let me just be silly a um, an exotic Italian sports car mm, I might ask for a new black shirt <laughs> you might uh, <laughs> because you can't do ministry without it you need to see my darkness in order to see Christ's beauty if, if I'm asking for an exotic Italian sports car it is a selfish request it is, it is for my enjoyment right and, and if I'm pursuing Christ if I'm walking with him I'm going to recognize that and I'm not going to ask him for that no Th- this is why but if, if I'm if I'm walking with Christ and, and pursuing his mind his heart you know then I might ask for a vehicle so that I can get to work, I can get to or, or whatever, and, and because I understand how it relates to me serving right. Christ. Right. And therefore, I, my mind will be correct, and I bring that to him, and that will be honored. That That's the huge caveat right. there that we have to understand. Absolutely. And so, I mean... I mean, you know, I made the the comment about, you know, asking for piles of cash earlier, too. And and the same way that we think about with, you know, your example, the sports car. Um, It's actually not wrong to ask for God to help you meet your needs from a from from a monetary perspective. Um, But it also but it but it ultimately comes back to the to what you're asking for. Again, it's help you meet your needs. Yeah. Give us this day our daily bread. Um, that's what we're asking for again and again and again for the purposes, uh, because we know that God is is better than anything that we could really ask for, um, and in Him we have the greatest the greatest things of all, um, which is which is relationship with Him. We're brought into His family. Yeah. We have the promise, the sure promise of eternal life. 
um, we have Jesus and we have, um, and we have forgiveness of sin. This is, this is really, really good stuff. And so, I mean, we don't need to, we don't need to, so again, we don't need to come to him, um, with a presumptive, we should not come to him with a presumptuous attitude. We shouldn't come, we shouldn't read this passage thinking, oh, well, um, I guess I need to be, you know, I need to be bold like Joshua. And it's like that you need to be bold like Joshua in the sense that you trusted that you, you have a deeply rooted trust in the goodness and the promises of God. So yeah, that, and the good news is, is that we have that in Christ. We have all the proof that we need for it in him because he, if he has saved you, if you are his, there is nothing that you can do to have that taken away. And that's a good thing for all of us. All right, Brian, I think that's probably a good place for us to, to wrap that up before I get way too preachy. Um, I got real close there. That's the offering um, plate. I know, I know. Was Yuna, Yuna sing us out on... Uh, you no, know, that will not happen. No? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all 27 verses of Just As I Am. Yes, the, I have decided to follow Jesus. Mm. <laughs> This is not the way you want to end the podcast. No, no, we're uh, we're letting everybody down. Sorry, um, but uh, but listeners, we hope this is uh, this is really helpful for this was a helpful conversation for you. Uh, we would love it if you are finding you found this episode and the podcast helpful. If you would leave a sincere five star rating and review on iTunes because it helps people find the show. Um, and uh, that's all from us to now. For now, uh, Brian, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, thanks. Good time as always. All right, and. Uh, Uh, We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project, a family of resources revealing how all Scripture gives testimony to Jesus. Learn more at gospelproject.com.